if we all considered how often we are hypnotized by ourselves, we would quickly see how often we are really unaware. We're often moving from that hypnotic stupor so habitually. The only way that I have found out of any of this, we really, in my experience, need to be able to pull back and observe ourselves as often as possible so I can see where maybe I'm still acting out these behaviors. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. Today, we're bringing back Jator Pierre. Now, Jator was a guest on the Path Podcast for an episode titled Instinct versus Intuition. Jator has been a holistic coach for now approximately 25 years, and I've been a close friend of his for approximately 10. And so we go way back, both as friends. He's been my coach at different times. He's been a mentor, and I've been in his Illuminate coaching program for approximately four months. And so today's talk was inspired by one of the recent modules in that course. And it's all on self-sabotage. What is it? Why do we do it? What are the things that are inhibiting us from the desired experience we wish to have? And how can we bring light to it? How can we bring healing to it? And so I think you're really going to find interesting, just as I did, Jator's unique perspective on this. He also goes into how we can increase our emotional range and vocabulary, what we can do to learn from childlike innocence, the nuances in our language that can help us better honor each moment, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Let's dive right in. Round number two. Round number two. Uh Well, welcome back. We've got some upgrades to the Casa or the studio, at least since you were here last. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was, and I didn't know this and we were chatting about it earlier, was I've been in your Illuminate program now for almost, almost four months. And one of the things that I was sharing with you over coffee this morning was, you know, a big part of the program is getting weekly coaching, one-on-one coaching from other students. And Getting weekly one-on-one coaching, which is a deep dive into the self, man, I shared with you, like, I feel pretty raw and almost feel like part of my foundation has been shaken and stirred. And a big part of that is because it's, it's given me an opportunity to connect with parts of myself that I either have been hiding from or avoided or have been maybe painful to revisit. And when I wrote you last night about the topic that I wanted to go into today, self-sabotage, I didn't realize that part of this whole week's new module uh, is on (laughs) self-sabotage. So I feel like the, uh, if we want to say the stars are aligned, I know you're not a big fan of that, but, uh, (laughs) but you know, with that, with that being said, that's something that's absolutely come out in some of the coaching calls or the various maybe ways that I self-sabotage. And so knowing you, 
we won't waste any time <laughs> and we'll get right into it. Would you mind just sharing your perspective on, I mean, what comes up for you on, in terms of why do we self-sabotage or why in your perspective do people sabotage themselves? Yeah. Thanks, Mike. One thing uh, I'd like to share maybe before we jump into that, if it's okay, mm -hmm. is um something I heard you say was, um, I know you're not a big fan of the stars and alignment. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I want to create some clarity. I'm, I'm really on this clarity kick right now. Real clear. The stars in alignment uh, really does resonate with me. Mm. What I mean by that is the stars are always in alignment. Mm. And so I think there's a perspective that I notice out there that I don't agree with, which is, oh, the stars are in alignment with me today. Or the stars are in alignment because this happened. Mm. But for me, maybe the, maybe a highest perspective that I understand or try to understand uh, in little bits and pieces is that, you know, what isn't synchronous? And for me, at least a growing part of me uh, believes that everything is synchronous. And so if you're, if you or I or our ego perceives things to not be synchronous, we're like, well, the stars are not in alignment. But when what shows up in our reality matches our needs or our perceived needs, we have a tendency to then say, oh, the stars are in alignment. And I, I think, I, I don't think it can be in either way. They're always in alignment, which I think also then speaks to this, uh, maybe some of my perspective on self-sabotage. I haven't come up with better wording for that yet. I don't actually believe in self-sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised. <laughs> and what I mean by that is uh, self-sabotage uh, for me would also be uh, there is a part of us that is acting out behavior that was learned typically out of a place of survival at a point in our life that we really needed that behavior. It was necessary for us to survive, to live, uh, and to navigate the environments in which each of us grew up, whether we experienced those environments as very safe or very unsafe. And so those behavior patterns then, why we might call it self-sabotage is those behavior patterns continue throughout our life and then continue into adulthood. And uh, we have these adult parts or maybe the more mature parts of us that say, I want to live life differently. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that part of self, the part that wants to live life differently, then judges or criticizes the younger part that, was, that is still acting out behavior to survive, but now is being experienced as self-sabotage to the adult part. So... Yeah, I think self-sabotage, if we use that language throughout this, is simply uh, a conflict of different parts of ourselves and uh, having different needs and wanting to move in life in a very different way than we've always done. And if we want to move out of survival, uh, that part that is moving from that place of survival eventually needs some level of acknowledgement, integration, trust to reduce the amount of conflict that's going on between our ears so we can move in a different way. 
But if we stay very unhumble to the parts of us that are self-sabotaging, it can create more conflict within. I don't like the part of me that self-sabotages, so I push it away or criticize it or shame it or blame it or believe it's insignificant or shouldn't be here. Uh, imagine if you were that child. Mm. Imagine, imagine your son when he's four years old and he comes to you and he's having some struggle or some emotion or some pain that he doesn't know how to navigate or deal with. And imagine you, instead of listening to him, you push him away or put him in his room and close the door. Sometimes it's really easy or much easier for us to imagine something like that. Oh, my external son would never do that. I know the pain that that could cause. Uh, I have some idea of what the downstream effect of that might be in his life. Uh, I would never do that. But so many of us do that to ourselves every single day. Why in your perspective do we do that? You know, I, I totally resonate. I mean, I know I'm going to impart my, whatever, my beliefs and stuff to Luca, especially in these early years, just by the nature of living life. And you're exactly right. Because in that example, it's a perfect example. Like I would never want to do that. So why is it maybe easier to see that in others or how we want to treat others and so much harder to do it with ourselves? Great question. Well, if we, if we look at the perspective of maybe intimacy into me, I see one of the greatest fears as I know it as a human being is seeing ourselves. And if our, one of our greatest fears is seeing ourselves, then it's really hard to accept or connect or see what you see in Luca is quite literally you. It's really hard for the human ego to capture that. It's, it's hard for me to capture that. It's easier for me. I mean, 10 minutes ago, uh, we were interacting with Luca mm -hmm. and I got tears in my eyes. There's a really cool story that I could make up about Luca and you and Lauren, which is part of my truth. There's also what was I seeing in Luca that was me? What parts of me uh, haven't I seen in a long time? That innocence, um, the ability for Luca to hold eye contact and unwavering eye contact. It's, holy <laughs> shit. What does that represent to me? Real intimacy, uh, innocence. Uh, none of the stories yet of shame or fear uh, that are so vibrant in, in most of us as adults. And so I, I teared up. Um, it's easy for me to blame that on Luca. <laughs> uh, I also want to be present with, wow, what 
parts of me am I seeing in Luca that I haven't seen in a long time and are so hidden? And uh, maybe my tears were also a part of, and I forgot that's me too. I forgot those really innocent parts of me. Historically, I think we all have at some time. And, you know, when we're going through childhood, we have a very egocentric perspective. We're very magical in the sense that we believe the outside world is our fault. And the deeper that belief becomes and the more shame identified we become, the further and further we actually move away from ourselves and our authentic expression. And the more and more we're wearing masks uh, for our parents or our culture or whatever the case may be. So the more masks we have on, typically the harder it is to really see yourself, to see your own. How do I close the door on myself? How do I... How do I hurt myself? How do I criticize myself? And it's really effing confusing because it makes no sense. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> Doesn't make sense that any of us would do this. And um, recently, I'm, I'm a coach, so recently I was diving in with to tend to seem themes in, in sessions and was diving in with a client that literally chooses to be in relationships with men that are really painful to her in asking her a question. Um, why would you choose to be in a relationship with a man that's really painful to you? And she said, well, there's, there's a little bit of good in there. There's a little bit of good that I get in that relationship that I don't get anywhere else. And for me, that was slight of hand of the ego. Uh, what I heard her really say is I deflect from myself by looking for that little bit of good. But what I'm really looking for is the pain. I want the pain experience. The pain experience is then what gives me the emotions that I'm most familiar with. I'm not enough. I'm ashamed. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. And during the session, uh, as clients do, as we all do, get defensive, I got to watch her argue for her own pain. I got to watch her argue for, I need this little bit of good and I don't believe I need this pain. And yet she continues to invite in and co-create situations in which the pain experience is 90% and maybe the good experience as she deems it is 10%. The fascinating thing is that she's more attached to that pain and the familiarity of it and more afraid of the good, which is a really hard concept for us to consider when we're looking at self-sabotage. And 
back to this idea of like, why is this so hard? Uh, who wants to hear that? <laughs> like you, we don't want to hear uh, what's underneath the surface. And we're really good at denying the truth and chasing facade because the truth of us is often really painful to recognize and take ownership of I'm co-creating relationships in which a part of me is addicted to fear and shame and I don't know how to move out of that and another part of me absolutely doesn't want me to move out of that because of the familiarity of the experience it's it's such a challenging concept to ask yourself the question, how do you benefit from your pain? How do you benefit from your hurt? How do you benefit from your self-criticism? How do you benefit from your shame? How do you benefit from your guilt? How do you benefit from your fear? How do you benefit from creating that in your life through action and decision to experience that? so that you have the emotional experience after the action or the what shows up. It's scary as fuck, man. And confusing. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you had said this in, in, I think, one of the modules that I was listening to today. It really is a paradox. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And it's really hard to admit that it also makes a lot of sense. That question, how do parts of us uh, benefit from the fear and the shame? Can you share, I don't know if we went into this on the last time we recorded, but obviously language is so important in the words that we choose and absolutely, you know, definitely deserves a, mo a moment here in terms of you use the words a lot, parts of self or parts of myself. Can you maybe explain why you choose those types of words as opposed to um, like the I, like I benefit from or par instead of that parts of myself benefit and things like that? Yeah. So when we consider this idea of maybe closing the door on Luca mm. or the part of you that's Luca. Uh, and if we consider it from that perspective and you're, you're having a, a challenge with yourself or something that's going on in your life and you're experiencing pain about it or shame about it, uh, if you say, I feel ashamed, but you also don't give voice to the interesting flip on this, the part of you that feels joyous or curious or excited, mm -hmm. you're, from my perspective, actually closing the door on that part of you consider in any given situation in which we experience is there for you is there ever a moment in which uh, you don't have a a little bit of a spectrum of emotion as an example maybe um this will be fun what was it like uh, knowing Luca was coming. Oh, bro. Excited, scared, honored, nervous, um, curious, um, joyous, 
Um, yeah, those are just the right off the cuff. Just some, <laughs> just five or 10. Yeah. <laughs> and so if, if you said, well, you know, tour, I was excited and couldn't wait. <laughs> um, what if I said the other emotions that were in there, the, the fear or the nervousness or, um, maybe even apprehension. Um, what if I said by you not saying those other things is actually closing the door on those little Lucas that live inside of you. Mm. And so uh, from my perspective, there's we're myself included pretty shattered to a certain degree, uh, shattered from perceptually shattered, of course. And, to help bring those shards back together or put that mirror back together or to uh, integrate it, at least my perception of it, using the, the language of a part of me is, is acknowledging and opening the doors for the Lucas inside of me. It's, it's saying it's okay that you're afraid. It's okay that you're apprehensive. It's okay that you're nervous. It's okay that, um, you know, whatever the emotion is, that's okay for you to feel. And from my perspective, what's happening then is you're being much more intimate with what's really going on inside of you. And then back to that idea of intimacy, it's why, in part, why we're so afraid of intimacy, because then broadens the spectrum of what's going on inside of us. And we actually start to feel a lot more emotions that many of us were never given the permission to feel. Mm. And I, I, I don't think this is a sex issue uh, or gender issue. I think it's a human challenge and we're often celebrated differently in, in the sexes for what emotions we're allowed to feel. And when we step out of those places, it becomes uh, very unreliable and stretching and risky and inappropriate and you're not a real man. Mm. And, or you're not a real woman. And this language then is the way that I've found and also have learned um, that feels really soothing to me mm. and feels really intimate. I can share with my partner, I feel upset. And I'm really curious about that. And I also feel scared to tell you that I'm upset and there's a part of me that's curious and in discovery about that too. And I don't, I'm really doing my best to be more and more broadly honest and that feels really relieving to me. And it feels as if I'm 
opening many more doors to to little Jator you know, that I just got to see in, in little Luca and and the remembering of hmm how would I treat Luca? I would I would never treat him in the way that I often treat myself. Mm. Ever. And yet so many of us do it every day and blindly do it every day with language discounting other parts of self. Um, how do you feel coming on this podcast, Jator? <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> I also feel fucking nervous <laughs> and a little bit of anxiety and pressure and what are people going to think? And are we going to get a terrible email? (laughs) (laughs) And I feel joy and pleasure and connection and fun. And, and also the understanding of people are going to get out of this, what they need to get out of this. And if they think I'm a quack, then that's cool too. So in sharing that with you right now, I felt, uh, my shoulders relax and little Jator with a, a bigger smile on his face. And I, hey, it's okay that you feel that way. Mm. And the more that I can connect with him in that simple way, the less need he has to survive and to create what I would perceive as my own self-sabotage. He doesn't, I don't need to have Luca run the show mm. or the, the three-year-old in me that is uh, hurt or afraid. He doesn't need to run the show anymore because 45-year-old Jator acknowledges him. He is his uh, dad and his mom and is giving him what he's always needed. Uh, that at some points in his life he didn't perceive that he got. So he had to act out behavior to survive in those environments. And you know, maybe in, in Illuminate and in the coaching and why it can be so beautifully disruptive <laughs> is because um, we're consistently inviting ourselves into that space with others around us and um you i mean you've been in some of the calls where there's disagreement or there's anger or there's pissed offness and we let it ride (laughs) and that's that's not an easy place for for most of us to go because we've never We've never had the permission to go there. And maybe the beauty of self-sabotage is, at least from my perspective, is it it can invite us back to ourselves. It can invite us back to the repeating pattern that is a part of us acting out from our past based on experiences and need to survive. And it keeps getting acted out in a way to get our attention and say, 45 year old Jator, will you please 
come and be my dad in a different way? Will you come and be my mom in a different way? Uh, Will you show up with me and want to understand me? And, And not many people do. Because it's, it's really a painful place to go back and experience. And as we go back, there's often more and more and more that gets opened up. And that creates, uh, I think you said, the, the ground under your feet. Mm-hmm. Gets, it gets wobbly. Uh, for me, that's the... Your stories and your associations and your ego parts are considering new perspectives that you've never considered before about very old stories and experiences. And that feels disconcerting. It feels unfamiliar. It feels unstable. I said, say, thank God. <laughs> Thank God it's unstable Uh, because now we get to write new stories about our past and then you get to move in new ways in your life today that aren't run by childish, afraid, angry, resentful, belligerent parts of you. I think that's so important and mainly because I know I've heard you say this and I've felt this and I've had multiple conversations with Lauren about this. Like we'll hear a lot, something to the effect of like, I'm living in the present or like right now, like is all that matters. And for me, while there may be some level of truth in that and only that person really knows deep inside, but I really do feel, and part of me wants to call bullshit on that because I really can see it and I've seen it in my own life. So that's one way I really know that to be true for me at least It's like, if we're like, I'm all for like, this is the present moment. Yes, we're here right now. And so much of the present moment with how we navigate ourselves, how we navigate relationships, how we navigate um, the world around us is based on our past and those repetitive. Otherwise, otherwise, for example, if someone wanted to lose weight, there's a very simple one. If someone wanted to lose weight and they you know, knew the foods that they should eat and knew the time that they should go to bed. And this is an oversimplified thing, but I think it'll make sense. It's like, then why don't they do it? What about knowing, quote unquote, knowing what you need to do to change a pattern that's clearly not serving you in some way? Why does it keep showing up if we're only, quote unquote, living in the present and we haven't gone back in some way, shape or form to nurture, in your words, how we may have closed the door or slammed the fucking door on that little kid and that really hurts yeah I 100% agree so we're about four months into Jator's coaching accelerator program called Illuminate and even though I'm a dear friend of Jator even if he wasn't a friend or I didn't even know him I would still be absolutely blown away 
at the quality, the depth, the nuance that went into the creation of this course. I mean, it's based off of about 25 years of direct coaching experience to develop his own method. And we're about four months in, as I mentioned, and I think there's about already like 190 plus videos. And that includes a bunch of bonus content. And they are broken up to be different lengths and durations. So they're a little bit more digestible. But that being said, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day who was asking me about the program. He had said something to the effect of like, dude, isn't that just way too much information? And are you able to even absorb it? And I will say, well, one, the way the course is structured, you have those modules and videos. Uh, new ones are added each week. You have a weekly live coaching session for two hours with Jator as well as the rest of the group. And then every single week, you pretty much practice with another partner two hours of coaching, one hour in which you're coaching the person and then the other hour and it switches. And with that being said, that type of this type of integration with the work and applying it and then going through the work yourself makes it such a different experience as opposed to just intellectually reading or listening to content. And then I was also sharing with him my experience in if you really want to learn something and you're really excited about it, there's almost like no extent to the depths that you'll learn because you're loving every single component, every single part of the process. I mean, I haven't honestly been this excited about a course, um, man, maybe since I was like 19 and I started discovering Westside Barbell and traveled to Ohio to train with Louis Simmons. I was so hungry at that time. And I remember it was like, my my desire to learn and apply that information was just insatiable. And it's been really cool because I feel like my experience going through this course has kind of returned me to that, that younger version of myself, that even more curious version of myself. And now to be implementing it in the work that I'm doing, uh, of course, also in just my daily life. I mean, you can't separate the two. It's been extremely gratifying, nourishing, enlightening. And so if you're interested in becoming a coach or you're already a coach and you want to dive deeper into the realm of mental and emotional coaching, I cannot recommend Jator's Illuminate program enough. I mean, I am a participant in the program right now. So I'm speaking to you from direct experience. The next time he's going to run this program will be in the fall. And all you got to do if you're interested is just message him directly on Instagram. Jator Pierre is his handle. I'll include it in the show notes. Uh, But I really hope if you're a coach and you want to up level your level of competence, confidence, and just your level of depth as a coach, I can't recommend it enough. So check it out and let's head back into the show. The idea of living in the present or I'm, I'm a hundred percent present or I am present. Um, I'd say parts of me are present Mm -hmm. and other parts of me are completely checked out Mm -hmm. and other parts of me are numbed out and other parts I don't even know that are there. And there's a psychologist, James Hollis and his perspective, which I appreciate. Uh, the conscious mind is about the size of an Italian cookie wafer. <laughs> and the subconscious mind is about the size of the ocean. Um, for me, that really puts mm-hmm. it into perspective and humbles me to what I don't know. And I think when the more the more you observe yourself, the more you'll notice 
these habitual patterns that are so amazingly intricate that um, I would I would guess if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, funny language, um, I might be present, fully present, point oh 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 one percent, and maybe that's a that's a big number. Um, but that's not a criticism. That's more of a humbleness to mystery, mm-hmm. a humbleness to my past, a humbleness to how my past influences me. If we videotaped or we can videotape ourselves, obviously we're on video and we looked at maybe our facial movements and how we shift, et cetera. And then we took one or both of our parents and did the same thing. I would bet you, you would see almost identical movements. No shit. I bet you, you burp or fart like one or both of your parents. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like hilarious. And yet that is how deep these patterns go. That is how deep this, the modeling goes. That is how deep, you know, you know, we again, we're Luca's just such a great example. Um, he, you know, I'm projecting onto him, of course. His eyes are wide open and and, and super attentive. You imagine the amount that he's downloading right now. Everything, your facial expression, your laughter, your movements, the subtle energies. I mean, he's downloading everything. He's a fucking sponge. And that's building his platform to which he will move in life and 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 uh, have the opportunity, I assume, as well to then go and back and explore himself. And um, my question, as sounds like yours, has been, can we ever be here now if we're seeing through the lenses of the past? Uh, or, or maybe do we get to have both? Mm-hmm. Do we get to have uh, a part of me is, is present in here, maybe? And lots of other parts of me are, are, I'm seeing through all of these experiences. As I'm talking and as you're talking, I, I notice as I gave voice to it, maybe there's some anxiety and there's some excitement and there's some fear and there's what ifs. Is that coming from the present? Uh, my guess would be that's coming from what parts of my brain associate with this environment and when I've been on stage and uh, perceive stage and whose needs that I need to meet and is my mom or dad metaphorically around that I need to live up to those standards that I think they had of me. I mean, it's super intricate and nuanced and I think it's, for me, it's a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) But I, I experience many people to explore their past with fear and shame Mm. and maybe that is a a slight difference in that i want to explore my past with wonderment and discovery and exploration uh, to get to know my my 
my made up perceptions and what I created. And that feels enlivening. And through the years of, of doing that exploration and then noticing and uh, observing the changes in my relating to the outside world, relating to myself, and maybe how much more peace and more comfort with speaking more of my truth, which for other parts of me, all of this is scary and still like, ooh, man, here we go. I think it's beautiful, man. Mystery to me is beautiful. And and I think one of the amazing tricks of humans, and me included, is our amazing arrogance. And that we know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. <sighs> and I'm curious rather than I don't know. And I don't want to find out. <laughs> Jator, I'm curious. Um, the more that you've explored yourself in the depths and the ways that you have over the years, when you notice a pattern, a self-sabotage pattern or something, is it nowadays, is it easier for you to spot or is it quite a bit more challenging because you've uncovered a lot, maybe of you've done so much of this work? Curious on, on how that shows up for you and how you're able to, to navigate that these days. Yeah, what a good question. A part of me wants to say that it's, it's more challenging mm. to find, mm. maybe because the patterns become more subtle and less overt. Like I've experienced uh, overt patterns to be easier to, to see. They're brighter and larger. And the, the more subtle ones are much more elusive. And um, where I still find maybe... We can use today as an example. Um, my sensation maybe of anxiety getting on a podcast with you could be a way that a part of me self-sabotages. Um, what do I perceive uh, will be shared here and who do I perceive will hear it? And is my metaphoric dad going to hear it? Or what's my literal brother and my metaphoric brother going to hear? What if some part of you represents my literal brother to me? And am I going to be enough for you or meet your needs? Or is this podcast going to be what you wanted it to be? And so maybe that anxiety gets turned up so that uh, I can deflect from those questions or those explorations. And then I come here and uh, I'll drink a shot of coffee too. That's not going to turn <laughs> my anxiety down, is it? <laughs> Just going to turn it up a bit. You know, what if that's, you know, um, a way that I turn it up even higher. And what if that's a version of, of 
self-sabotaging, which again is a version of survival. Mm. And what if in the moment now, maybe, or in these moments is where I get to find more of these subtle ways that I might participate in that behavior. And yeah, that's how, that's how I experience it today. The only way that I have found out of any of this is through a very cliche saying, and that is awareness. If we were, if we all considered how often we are hypnotized by our, by ourselves, we would quickly see how often we are really unaware. We're often moving from that hypnotic stupor so habitually that it's to pierce that. Uh, we really, in my experience, need to be able to pull back and observe ourselves as often as possible. And that goes back to this language thing for me, which is being really observant of my language and what I choose. It helps me stay as present as a part of me can be to really uh, watch myself from maybe 3D perspective so I can see where maybe I'm still acting out these behaviors. As an example, last night, uh, my partner and I had an interesting dialogue and she was, she questioned something uh, about one of my values that I'd actually never questioned before. Hmm. And by having a partner who's willing to bring those things up and share her truth and, and bring it up kindly and gently, I got to be with myself, aware, be aware of myself and take a step back and think, wow, is that my value? That message that I just sent to this person, really, I was not present when I did it. And it was reactive. Now, it wasn't negative in any way. But it was a move that I never would have questioned unless my, my story is, unless my partner brought it up. And it was really cool to see <laughs> where, back to this intimacy thing, if that feels really uncool for you to see, or for parts of you to see and you're not willing to acknowledge both sides of it, in those moments, you'll typically become very defended and proving. And then you'll see a pretty interesting fight occur between people or couples, et cetera, because her bringing it up and me then experiencing it and seeing it, if I felt a lot of fear and shame about exploring myself, I might have just gone on the attack toward her. Mm. So this goes back to the subtlety. She helped me find the subtlety of, could that be a way that I self-sabotage? Could that be a way that is unconscious behavior that I still act out out of survival that I don't even know that I'm doing? And this goes back then to why coaches are important or for me, deep friendships or uh, partnerships are important because we then get to hopefully invite people into our lives that are, for lack of a better term, willing to lightly call us on our shit. 
because I'm blinded to myself at, at some level because I'm very emotionally attached to myself. It's really interesting that the more emotionally attached we are to others, typically the higher propensity we have to want to hide uh, because there's so much more value there that we're afraid of losing in one way or another. And so if that's true and we're very emotionally attached to ourselves, how much then do we hide from ourselves? <laughs> uh, a whole ocean worse. Wow. At least that's true for me. You know, as you were sharing that, going back to something that you shared earlier about the anxiety parts of you feel of being, you know, on the show and you brought up uh, awareness. You've also brought up, you know, having a partner or someone who or a coach or whatever, someone maybe external that can help shed light on those parts that we can't see. How have you found, in addition maybe to that, how have you found when you're in it, like you're in it right now and you're, and, and I, and I'm bringing this up because I think one of the things that many people have fear of myself included, which is why I have a tremendous amount of effing respect for anybody who puts themselves out there because of how much courage and how much I know I've struggled with that. And you know, the, whether it's visibility or the fear of presenting, but when you're in a place where you're sharing that anxiety comes up and you're in the moment, how have you found to either soothe yourself or help yourself navigate it when these things are coming up live? And for example, you're either on camera, you're performing or, or whatever. Well, what worked best for me and what works best for me um, came by accident when the stars aligned. <laughs> <laughs> I was teaching my first check course and I got to the venue and there was something wrong with the, the days or something and the list of people. Then I got to the room and the projector was broken. It's my first class I'm teaching solo and I'm already very nervous and scared and lots of energy flowing through me for this. And, um, all of those things in quotes going wrong and students in the class coming up and asking questions and <laughs> oh, shit. And for whatever reason, I had everybody in the class just stand up and get in a circle. And I thought to myself, I really need some kind of a meditation right now to, to help me get centered. And so I took us all through this guided meditation. But in that guided meditation, I shared that uh, when I was five years old, I was a very rambunctious little guy and I didn't really want to be in the classroom. And I would often be looking outside and wanting to be outside. And I had a kindergarten teacher who... Uh, Miss Pittman, who would come come by my desk and she'd come grab my arm and squeeze my arm really hard and then force me to sit down. So I'm sharing the story while we're in this like meditative space. And I said that um, I, I, I'm not going to let Miss Pittman grab my arm anymore. That 
the time, I must have been 37 or so, that 37-year-old Jator is here to protect a five-year-old Jator from Miss Pittman. And once I said that, 90% of my anxiety or fear of what that all meant to me, um, I don't want to use the word dissolved because it feels in a weird way disrespectful. Um, it sunk in. It sunk into me and, and was soothed. And I also said that my 37-year-old Jator will protect, protect him from any Miss Pittman in this class. <laughs> and so when I feel in the moment um, big emotions come up, whether uh, painful or fearful or shameful or defendedness or uh, wanting to go on proving and, and attacking. I will often do my best to take a step back and remind myself where I am in time and space as I perceive it. And also remind myself of what my intention is in my life and how I want to step forward toward myself and towards others and how important that is become to me and that I will quickly connect to how old am I feeling in that moment emotionally, what part of me needs my attention and I'll give it to him. I will uh, be present with him and maybe in some sense meeting Luca right before we jumped on was that version of that today of, oh, he needs me. He needs me right now. And, mm -hmm. um, and that also from my perspective requires a lot of practice. I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of practice of slowing yourself down and really watching your reactive behaviors and slowing it down enough so that you can consider a response and how you want to move uh, forward in the next step. That is a tremendous practice to, to take on. And the beauty of, of working with so many clients is I, I get to really observe how habitual people are. And then I get to reflect on that for myself. And then I get to see the habitual patterns of others and find those habitual patterns in me and I can really then slow down and as like last night with my partner, I noticed I felt some challenge. And before I opened my mouth, I thought, what does my partner represent to me? Uh, how do I want to show up with her? 
who do I want to, how do I want to show up with myself? Who do I want to be in this moment? And how do I accumulate all of that and then step forward with kindness and understanding and a very, for me, a very mature perspective? I don't believe one can do that without practicing that. Um, and so I create lots of weird ways to practice that. My language is one or an, an easy practice someone can do is uh, when your phone rings, don't look at it. That's this habit. You hear the phone and what are you, or a notification. Watch anyone with a phone when it rings or notification. You'll see it's, it's automatic. Can you catch that before it happens that will help you build the muscle of watching yourself before you with your words or your reactive behavior and so i'll do things like that or i'll i'll be in a session and i'll mute myself so i'll notice how much i want to say and <laughs> chime in i'll just mute myself god but I can't, there's nothing for me to say because I'm muted. So I get to see how much I want to reactively jump in. So by doing that, it, it, I, it taught me to listen and shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, and then I think the latest thing that's kind of grown for me is I've uh, really grown into this perspective of my first move is I want to understand hmm. and uh, learning that came from a lot of pain and a lot of not understanding and a lot of moving reactively and out of a lot of past behaviors that I wouldn't do today and wanting to move from a place that I want to understand because I also first thing I want to do with myself is I want to understand. My anxiety comes. I want to, what are you here to share? Rather than, I shouldn't feel anxious. I've done a thousand podcasts and what is going on? And Stupid. <laughs> I can't believe I still feel anxious. This should be done by now. I've done so much work. That's all discounting language from mm -hmm. my perspective. Um, yeah. I super appreciate that perspective. And one of the most beautiful aspects of being a new father is that very thing of when I'm holding him, it is such a felt visceral reminder of a part of me is him that I'm looking back into and the innocence and the purity is probably one of the most surprising things and now he's got more not rigidity is the word but he's got more stability in his structure so I can manipulate him a little bit more and throw him on my shoulder hold him like an airplane like I can do more stuff and one of the coolest things has been now he's got enough his head's still not, and neck is still not super strong. So he'll still like lift his head up and then dive bomb his head <laughs> because his endurance isn't that great. 
But I bring that up because one of the coolest things for me is, um, so Lauren obviously has breasts and he can lay on her belly and have her breasts as like a pillow. With me, I don't got that. So for me, I haven't had the experience of having him lay on my chest. And I just got that like a few days ago. And so when I hold him, yes, but when we're chest to chest and I'm looking, he's lifting his head up and he's looking dead in my eyes. It is such like a, uh, a portal or something. And there is something in me so deep inside that gets touched and it feels selfish. And it is in part selfish. Cause I'm like, I'm obviously, you know, want to bring you up as best I can and give you the best life. And I've been so surprised at how deeply nourishing and touching it's been to connect to parts of me that I didn't even know were there. Um, and so just without any words that he's not even verbal. I mean, he's got his coups and cas, but he, uh, he can't speak. And so it's all just felt and eyes and sensation. And it's been one of the most beautiful, surprising aspects about being a dad. So, uh, that is also like what you were sharing about, you know, having a coach or a relationship and, you know, just like you had the experience you said earlier, just seeing him, you know, maybe there's so many more ways in a day-to-day basis that we can be more aware. And when we have those opportunities and I feel blessed because I get to work from home and be around him so much. So I'm really, I don't want to say like using him, but it is like, he is a vehicle for me to remember, um, which has been beautiful. Yeah. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> there's something, you know, we obviously speak language and I think language is like taking its best stab at trying to capture mm. what's going on inside of us and some of what you shared. And when it's this emotion and visceral sensation in the body, uh, for me, I, th- I think that might actually be the truest language. Mm. And uh, any from anything from there is a little distorted, and there is a. I've been having this too lately, not with a son, um, with my partner. There's a, a visceralness that is magical and full of sensation, and it feels. If I was to create a story about it, it feels historical, it feels DNA, it feels tribal, it feels uncapturable with word. And I think that place that the body sensations might be the truest truth. And that frightens me. And also it... (laughs) It humbles me. It really humbles me to to really getting into okay my emotions and then really getting into my sensations and really getting present with my body and really getting deeply present with what that truest truth might be sharing with me. Those words are slippery, as you know. I super appreciate that, man. That's so special to hear. I'm so happy for you. Well, brother, this has been so much fun. We're already at time basically. (laughs) And I'd love to give you an opportunity if there's any closing words that you want to leave with people. And then of course, where can they find you? But anything on your heart that you feel inclined or called to share as we wrap it up? Yeah. I I think I'd like to share, um, no, my perspective comes from a place of doing lots of sessions with clients 
And I also don't claim it to be the truth or the only truth. And what I hope is always comes across as uh, openness and curiosity. And for those of you that are relentless and ferocious towards those of us that share in the world, my invitation to you would be, uh, would you be willing to be as relentless and ferocious to your own thoughts and your own perspective as you are of others? I think the other thing I'd share is an, an invitation for all of us, inclusive of myself, continually to really invite yourself to be kind and understanding towards yourself and to open more of those doors to your emotions and to your sensations and to the little boys and girls that are, that are I'd almost guarantee, are in you, knocking on your doors and simply wanting to be seen, not to be fixed, not to be changed, to be told what to do or how to do it. What if it's just opening the door and looking into their eyes? What if that's all that's needed? Uh, find me uh, at Jator Pierre, Instagram. Facebook's kind of dead, so <laughs> F you, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> website tourpierre.com and I think I have a TikTok too I don't know what that is though <laughs> I've been really you know the TikTok thing's been like yeah a little critical of myself on there but um, having fun with it and uh Beautiful brother. Well, thank you again so much, man. This has been so much fun and we're going to be doing more of these with you. So stay tuned for the next one. Thank you, my man. Thank you, Mike, and super honored. And I really appreciate my experience of you and my experience of you in the group and what you bring and what you bring to the world. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path and I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours.